welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. These are special moments as we get to rent out a high school for our Sunday services. We're here every week. If you're a guest today, and we'd love to welcome you back. Next week, we're going to be closing out the year together uh, with the New Year's Eve service. But um, it's such an honor and a privilege to get to come and, and be in this moment with each of you. Because we know Christmas brings a lot of traditions, and some of your traditions include Christmas Eve service. And most of the time, it's at nighttime. Um, so I'm thankful that we got a, a nice-looking bunch here at 10 a.m. on Christmas Eve and adjusting your schedules to be able to celebrate with us. But um, the beauties of technology allow us to make this space feel like it's nighttime. Can I get an amen? Um, and, and so recently we've been in a series entitled The Christmas Carol because most people know The Christmas Carol. And we closed it out last Sunday, but I felt like we needed an encore this week uh, to kind of pull it all together. Because many of you know the story of the Christmas Carol, this Charles Dickens novel that plays out the past, present, and future. And this Grinchy-type dude who has his life impacted and and changed forever in one night. Um, And we've been drawing the parallels to that as a church. And what does that look like based on our faith? Because many believe that Charles Dickens wrote that as a Christian allegory. Because he had an opportunity to see poor people and then those that are very rich. And to see, you know, this dichotomy between the two. And how do we make a difference? And a Christmas carol at that time was something being reintroduced. As the church was trying to figure out what are some new traditions So he entitled his novel A Christmas Carol because his hope is that people would come together and share this story and read this story and probably didn't realize all the iterations of the movies of this story getting freaked out by Jim Carrey. Um, But he introduced it so that people would come and sing it or share it with one another. And it got us thinking that that might be a Christmas carol, but we want to talk about the Christmas carol, the story that matters, the one that counts. And that is the story of Jesus coming in to our present moments to make an impact on eternity for everyone. So today we're going to be taking a journey through that, through the Christmas carol. And the birth of Jesus is talked about in both the books of Matthew and Luke. And uh, I'm going to be in Luke 2, and it'll be behind me in a moment here, but we always love to share in this space. Don't be intimidated by the Bible, okay? The Bible is a love story. It is a love story from the God of the universe that created you and me because he wanted to spend time with us. And we get to read about that, but he also gives us insights and wisdom and how to live our lives so that we can live it to the fullest, so we can have the most joy as we can. So it's not a rule book about what you need to check off in order to earn the love of God. It is that love story about him wanting to spend time with us. And he gave us free will, which separated us from him, which culminates in the reason for the season. And what we're celebrating today, why he sent his son Jesus so that he could be reunited with all of his children. And if you had a chance to open up your Bible or your Bible app, um, if not on the screen behind me, I'm going to read from Luke 2 verse 11. And it says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you come into these moments. I thank you that you are here and with us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak through me today. Help me get out of the way for whatever you would have for each and every one of us so that as we walk out of here, we would have a greater understanding of your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, if you're taking notes on this Christmas Eve morning, the title of this message is The Cost of Christmas. Because Christmas can be expensive. Am I right? Yes, sir. Yeah. It's like, all right, I know everybody's giving me their Christmas list. And here's my I wish list I could afford it. And here's my, uh, let's pick two of those items, right? Or you might be saying, I got recently approved somehow for all these credit cards. So I'm going to just go ahead and put it on credit. I'll pay for it later. But the joy will come right now. It's real quiet, so I must be hitting a nerve. Didn't mean to do that here on Christmas Eve. Whatever happened to layaway, you know? Like, people got tired of waiting. Like, I don't want to have to pay for it first. Let me just get it, right? But there's a heavy cost that comes with Christmas as you do the different traditions or you're trying to purchase gifts. But there's also the cost that comes with our emotions, right? There's a cost that we pay with maybe you got to sacrifice some time to hang out with some family members that I know you love, but you just don't love spending time with. Nobody look next to you right now. You're like, yeah, they forced me here in this space. Or maybe it's those that aren't sitting next to you right now that you wish were. You know, those memories that come up of traditions you had with loved ones that, for one reason or another, aren't able to be with you today. But there can be a heavy cost to Christmas. But none of it compares to the cost of our first Christmas. None of it compares to that cost that was handed down and now given to us. The cost that we've been gifted with. Now, what's really awesome about the Bible and the way it lays out is there is an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the Old Testament is what takes place before Jesus' birth. In the New Testament, there's this present moment of Jesus' birth, his life, and his ministry. And then there's this future that goes beyond Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the Gospels. It means the good news. It is the story of who Jesus is. And then it's what happens after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And guess what? That still comes into our time today. It echoes into our present moments was part of the future that God had intended for us all. Now here's a verse in Isaiah 7:14 that I want to read with you today where it says, "Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel." Emmanuel means God with us. Woo, isn't that cool? Like they have been waiting for this Messiah to come and alter history. How long do you think they had to wait? 700 years. So this was a past prophecy from the Old Testament saying, hey, a virgin is going to give birth to God's kid. And you just got to wait a little bit. Like 700 years. And they're passing it down and they're sharing with people until over time people start to forget about this promise. But those studying God's word had been anticipating this moment where the Messiah would be sent through a virgin. And one day, that virgin came to be in existence, and her name was Mary. Now, we've all seen the stories, and it's Mary who now has this opportunity to change the world that she is invited into. What most people don't realize is how young she was. 
People say she could be anywhere between 12 and 16 years old. So let's go with 15. How many high schoolers we got in here? I won't make you raise your hand. You can just give me a little nod. Yeah, don't want to make it too uncomfortable for you. 15. Isn't that crazy? But in those days, it was normal for people to be betrothed, to be betrothed in marriage at that age. And the men would be 17, 18 years old. So imagine Mary, right? Here's Mary, 15, and told, you're about to get married. The emotions that she must have been feeling. The cost she was about to pay for the dreams that she might have had. Because now, her life was going to look differently at the age of 15 years old. You're going to get married to some dude you don't even know. Could you imagine that? Here's your husband. Enjoy. Man, that had been a tough time at 15 years old. And then what happens? She has an encounter with an angel. I'm going to read it to you. Luke 1, 28 to 29, and it says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was troubled. No, 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 no. Greatly troubled. Anybody else be freaking out if a ghost just showed up? If an angel just showed up? You don't know what that is. Who is this? Just lights all around. Probably had to put on those Ray-Bans. Like, who are you? She was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Who is this showing up right now? Because I got a lot on my mind, okay? I was just texting my friend that my mom and dad told me I'm getting married. I'm only 15 years old. I have big plans. I was going to be the first woman uh, king, queen. I don't know. That's not what really happened, okay, everybody? There were no cell phones. But this angel shows up and she's like, what kind of greeting is this? Like, I already got one bomb dropped on me and now another bomb? An angel showing up, talking to me? And it, it gets better. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. <laughs> Makes everything better, right? When you're freaking out, someone said, don't be scared. It's all right. We're good. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. So this prophecy from 700 years prior is now being fulfilled through a 15-year-old girl. Wow. And she's got to not only carry this weight of, I'm about to get married, but wait, I'm also going to be pregnant, and it's God's kid, and this dude who doesn't even know me, I'm about to show up like, hey, Joseph, uh, <laughs> We're going to get married. Nice to meet you. And I'm pregnant. Oh, oh yeah. And it's, but it's God's. It's cool. It's cool. It's God's kid. Like what? Imagine the cost she had to pay to carry that. But what's so incredible is as this angel shares this news with her, she accepts it. Now, I don't know if she had a choice in the matter because God's going to do what God's going to do. But she's like, all right, as you say. And she accepts this call to have a big purpose. See, here's the thing. God's favor was resting on her, but that sounds like a pretty scary moment, doesn't it? And sometimes in our lives we get really confused because we feel like, God, where are you? Because my life just got tough. Well, look at Mary. 
15 years old, about to get married, has to tell this dude she just met that I'm about to have a baby and it's God's. But this angel says you are highly favored. Man, whatever you're facing today, don't let that make you think that God is absent because sometimes God's presence means that there's an impact on your life that might not feel real comfortable, but it's calling you into a greater purpose. It's going to bring you into something different. There is a cost to following Jesus, but it's worth it. There is a cost to accepting the purpose God has given you. And it might not feel good in the moment. It might make you freak out. But there's an angel somewhere telling you, don't be afraid. Man, what Mary must have been thinking. But she has the courage to share it with Joseph. She has the courage to go to him and say, yep, pregnant. And it's God's. And he was like, oh, Mary, that's so awesome. I'm really excited for this opportunity. Three people laughed. Either the joke wasn't good or no one's heard the story before. I don't know. No, you want to know what Joseph's response was? Well, here it goes. He was going to divorce her quietly. See, in those days, the process of marriage wasn't you get a certificate, you bring it to your nice fun day and have this big party, and then you sign it in the back with the pastor and you're good to go. Like, no, there was a a process of here's the betrothal, and you're kind of technically married but not fully married yet until the end of the process. So here she is at that beginning phase of marriage with Joseph, and Joseph is like, all right, I'm going to divorce her quietly because you want to know what he had the privilege of doing if he wanted to? He could have stoned her. That was a just punishment. But he's like, you know, no. I'm going to do the right thing. I want a divorce. But he was going to do it quietly to not disrupt this woman. Like, imagine the love and care that he had to be willing to do that. And I also want to let some people know, like, don't judge a book by the cover. Get to know somebody in their story before you make accusations about where they're at in the moment because it could have been really easy for him to be like, yep, look at what she's done. My future is ruined. You will be punished. I don't know where that voice came from. It just felt appropriate. (laughs) But his plan was to divorce her quietly. But then... Check out what happens. Now we're going to go to Matthew. So we've got pieced together Matthew and Luke to get the full story. Don't worry, I'm doing it for you today. I won't make you do it. And it says, after he had considered this, divorcing her, quietly of course, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Here's that is again, right? Don't you love it? Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Wow. So he has this encounter with an angel within his dream that's telling him, no, she ain't lying. It's a true story. And don't freak out too much. Because this son that is coming in, I want you to be the father. Imagine the cost he's not now carry. Like, all right, I'm going to accept this. And now this woman that I'm about to fully marry is someone that 
is clearly pregnant, and people know it's not mine, but I'm going to step up to the plate. The cost that he would carry to, to be ridiculed by people because he's trusting in God. Sometimes to follow and trust God, you're going to look crazy to the world. But Joseph was willing to, as God had called him into this new purpose, to say, all right, you have been purposed for this. And guess what? This son is going to save the world. The penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin are going to be demolished through Jesus. This is the plan I have for you. But there is a cost to Christmas. There's a cost that he would have to pay in what this would look like. These teenage kids already having to do an adult thing and getting married now are paying a cost to be the parents of the Messiah. Man. And it continues, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is referencing back in the book of Matthew to Isaiah. Saying this is going to fulfill what had been spoken. This is going to take place so that God can enter into our reality. To save the world from our sin. Now we're going back to Luke. Anybody got a physical Bible and you're like, which way are we going? Luke 2 verse 1 to 3 says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census taking place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Now, what, what I really love about this bit of scripture here is that it takes the biblical history to the history you might have learned in school. Caesar Augustus. Everyone has heard of Caesar, right? Julius Caesar? No? Nobody? Okay. Well, it was this uh, king from way back in the day. Shakespeare wrote a couple sonnets about it. But here was this real king, Caesar Augustus. And he gave himself that name, Augustus, which means exalted one, because he actually took over after his uncle was killed. And then it was split up, Rome, into three different ownerships or three different powers. And because of that, war was taking place in Rome. And Caesar Augustus was the one that put an end to it all and kind of unified Rome again. But I love this because it's giving us a placeholder. It's letting us know, hey, what you're reading in the Bible is history. And actually, any historian will tell you anytime you have two recollections of the same story, pretty good chances it happened. And with the Gospels, there are four. That's a subject for another day because we believe, you know, stuff that might be written with one account. Anyways, it's a true story. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Let me tell you a story, and it's true. So this is not a once upon a time. This is a one time. This happened. This is a what happened was. 
This is a moment in history that you can go back and look in any textbook and find about Caesar Augustus. And he's saying there's this census that needs to be taken because the reason why he was doing it is he wanted to ensure he was getting paid. Let me get that money. It's expensive being a Caesar. I need to make sure everyone is paying me appropriately. So back in those days, what they would do to do a census is they would send everyone to their hometowns so that they could make sure they're counting up everybody and ensure people are paying what they're supposed to be paying. So here he is, and he's saying, hey, here, we need a census. I've got rain over the whole kingdom now. I'm bringing everybody together, and I need you to go back to your hometowns. So here's this past history that actually took place. And so Joseph, verse 4, also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. What's really cool about this is because there had been prophecies shared. Micah 5, 2 is a prophecy that was shared to say, there is going to be a king that will come and he will come from Bethlehem. You might think the government's jacked up. You might think people in power are jacked up. God will do what he wants to through who he wants to to fulfill his promises to you. Felt like someone should have amened that one. Because whatever you're facing and whatever you're going through, whatever you're in the middle of, just know God is on the throne and he's in control. So you've got this Caesar Augustus who thinks he is the most powerful person in the world. Because Rome was considered the total world at that time and had power over everything. And here he thinks he's doing something to benefit him. And God's saying, no, there was a prophecy about 700 years prior. I need to fulfill that real quick, so I'm going to use you to do it. Wow. So Joseph from the lineage of David, because King David, although everyone knows about him, was from this tiny town called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was considered meek. Bethlehem was considered a place that no one really thought too much of, nobody went to, and didn't think anything was great about it. Anybody ever felt that way? Woo. God's like, no, I'm coming from there. Here's something you need to know. You're not broke. You're from Bethlehem. You're not broke, you're from Bethlehem, okay? You might be meek, you might feel like you're from a space no one ever heard of. Like, I don't know how many conversations I have with people that don't live around here, and I'm like, I'm from Racine. Oh, yeah, where's that? They have no clue. You could just throw a dart at a map, and it'll just tell them. Oh, like between Chicago and Milwaukee. Oh, okay, and where's that? Makes me feel pretty good, though, because nobody really knew anything about Bethlehem, but guess what? God was about to do something big. Don't allow your social status to impact what you think about yourself or allow other people to put that on you to say, no, God has purposed me exactly where I am. And guess what? I'm not broke. I'm from Bethlehem. That might be the only thing you remember today as you walk out. I'm not broke. I'm from Bethlehem. Bumper sticker. I like it. So here this, Joseph has to travel 80 miles to go back. And here's something that's really interesting about this too. Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, meaning the full marriage hadn't taken place yet. And I think it's important that that is shared because Mary didn't have to go with him to Bethlehem. 
Now, maybe she went because everybody was looking at her pregnant and had a lot to say, and she's like, I just need to get out of here. I'm logging out of my Facebook account for good. But I think because they knew the importance of what was going on and she was committed to Joseph and Joseph to her and this purpose God had instilled within them, now they travel off to Bethlehem to be a part of this census that Caesar Augustus thought that he was going to use to make more money, but God was like, no, I'm going to use to pay the cost of the salvation of the world through a couple teenagers. Someone's parents were like, who let them leave on their own? No? All right. You trust your high schoolers. That's good to know. So Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Yes, I am going to come from Bethlehem, and now this prophecy from Micah is going to be fulfilled. While they were there, Luke 2, verse 6, the time came for the baby to be born. I'm going to ask our worship team to come out. Come on up. I'm almost done. As you can tell, because everyone knows the story, right? Uh-oh, here it is. Here's the moment. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths or in swaddling clothing and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Like, not only from Bethlehem, this town that no one has heard of, but they don't even have a place to stay. So they're hanging with the animals. A couple cows, a couple goats, chickens just come and pecking. You can't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. But these swaddling clothing, what that means, interpreted, means strips of cloth. Meaning it wasn't one of those nice little blankets, what's the kind you like? Um, Ananias. Ananias, is that biblical? No, it is like little strips of cloth. It is wrapped up. Figure like a base and ban- ace bandage, you know what I'm saying? Let's swallow them up. And here, the king of kings comes to this meek beginning. This little town in Bethlehem and not even in the inn. Days in, holiday in, motel, hotel, holiday. Some of your minds were already going there, so I just did it for you, okay? No, in a manger. Like, Really? With the animals. And here this cost that they've paid. This 15-year-old girl who stepped into the purpose God has called her while being ridiculed by so many. Now, Joseph, if he was going back to Bethlehem because he was called as part of the lineage of David, you know who else was going there? All of his family too. They didn't welcome him into their crib, you know. The ridicule, the cost, he was probably paying like, what? You're going to marry her? That's not your kid. Yeah, but it's God's. And in swaddling clothes, here's this moment where heaven enters eternity. This moment that people have been waiting for, for generation after generation after generation. And now here comes heaven into a manger. Verse 
And not in the middle of a palace, but in a manger. Wow. God chooses to do things differently than the world would expect. God enters into our moments and into our lives, and he invites us into a purpose and a cost that might be there, but the payoff is so worth it. Because we're not broke, we're from Bethlehem. And then it takes us to another scene, end scene, new one. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Wouldn't you be? But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. It's okay. Because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Somebody say all the people. I think that's an important phrase that we all need to hang on to. Because some of you might feel like you're not worthy of the love of God. You've made too many mistakes. Some of you might feel like somebody else isn't worthy of the love of God because they've made too many mistakes. No, God comes for all of us. He invites us into a relationship with him, and he doesn't exclude anyone. All are welcome, he says, and you can come as you are. What I love about this, too, is that the angel could have shown up to anyone, but he shows up to a shepherd. Shepherds were considered lowly. Shepherds were considered people that weren't allowed to speak in a synagogue because they couldn't be trusted. But God chose in that moment to be the first moment anyone heard about the birth of Jesus to be shared with a shepherd. Man, I love God. I love the invitation he offers everybody. I love that he cares about the least of these, the ones that feel marginalized and outcast. He's like, no, I'm coming for you. So he shows up. This angel shows up to share with these shepherds like, hey, guess what? The king of kings has been born tonight. And I want you to be the first to know it. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. This moment out in the middle of a field where the shepherd has just been greeted by an angel and now a whole choir of angels shows up and starts singing. How amazing is that? But what's even more amazing is something so beautiful and spectacular is actually praising a baby in a manger. That if you were walking by on the street, you would just hear a bunch of moo, bah, wah, all kind of noises. 
And you would think nothing of it other than, what's wrong with those people? They got a baby in there. Someone call social services ASAP. But no, here's this, this spectacular moment taking place of these angels praising this baby in a manger. The glory of God that is there in that moment to say, guess what just happened? And I know it sounds crazy that the king of kings would be in a manger, so let me just bring a choir of angels out real quick to sing to you. Not that this one angel wasn't enough, right? And here's this amazing moment filled with the glory of God pointing to the glory of king of kings who has come to save our souls and when the angels had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They moved promptly. There was an urgency to the motion like, what? I just heard about the king coming in. Let me go see. Someone in here needs to hear. There's an invitation and God wants you to know that the king of kings is here and he wants to save your soul. Stop waiting on him. Go and see his goodness. Go and see his glory. Go and see the love that he has for you. Because although Mary and Joseph paid a cost, the greatest cost is that our Father in heaven sent his son down. This baby in a manger. Think about how fragile it sounds, this baby that now is put into the hands of some teenagers, but he has come to save the world. Where God has paid this ultimate cost for us. And he says, respond urgently, just like these shepherds who run up and they see it just as it should be, where the first Christmas being celebrated is filled with a bunch of farm animals and shepherds as they praise and celebrate God. What a moment. That God can make the mundane magnificent. That he can turn a manger in Bethlehem into something so beautiful. That his presence can come into any place and reveal his grace and his goodness and his love and his joy. And here is this first Christmas is being celebrated. It is just the beginning to what Jesus was doing for you and for me. Some of you are like, yo, where are the magi? The wise men, right? My nativity shows them. They were not there, just so you know. So if you got a nativity at home, go ahead, put those wise men like on the other side of your house. It's a great story to hear it and, you know, they're there and all of that. But I don't know. I think it's more beautiful to think of just the shepherds being there because that's who Jesus is about. He's about the least of these. He did not come for the healthy but the sick. He came for those who needed saving. He is the great physician. He came to save souls. Some of you are like, nope. Magi are staying where they're at. I want to show you something, okay? When they had seen him, 
they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So not only were the shepherds the first to hear the gospel, they then responded to go share the gospel. They shared about what God had done. And now people were listening. People were believing. The shepherds the first to share the birth of the king of kings. And it says, but Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. I feel like she was sitting there reflecting on the cost it took to get to that moment. Praising and celebrating God for the gift that had just come in, but maybe thinking about what's the, the path ahead look like. No one's ever been the mom of God before. No one's ever been given and entrusted this duty to carry that out. So I think in that moment, she's just taking it all in and saying, okay, God did what he said he was gonna do. Someone in this space, you need to do that today. You need to allow yourself to just let it set in and, and trust God and praise him and know that he is working in and through you that the moment you're in right now, there's a future ahead, but just embrace what he's doing right now. And as the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told, now people are hearing about the gospel. Don't stop coming back to Jesus, though. The shepherds didn't hear about it and forget it. No, nope, they kept coming back. Now, here's the part you've been waiting for. Come on, talk about the Magi. After Jesus was born. Somebody say after. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born? See, they were these astronomers, and that same light that shone brightly when the shepherds had the encounter with Jesus, that same star is now what appeared when the Magi saw it. And they began their journey to come and see this Messiah. Historians will tell you that the moment that they actually met Jesus was between seven months and two years old. So put those Magi on the other side of your house, okay? But here they came to honor and glorify the king. Here they came to go on this mission. And because of that, King Herod puts out this decree to kill all kids, two and younger, all boys. Why? Because he was afraid of what was to come. So Jesus, as a, as a toddler, and his parents as teens, are living in Bethlehem away from their home, have a young baby who is the son of God. And a price has just been put on his head. They got some assassins coming for him. So you know what they did? An angel came to them and said, go to Egypt. I need you to go to Egypt and I will call you back when the time comes. And that is to fulfill another prophecy because it says out of Egypt, the Messiah will come. Out of Egypt, the Savior will come. So here God is working all of these things in all of these scenarios. But here's this cost that continues to be paid by Jesus and those around him. But it is for the salvation of our souls. But the story wasn't done yet. That wasn't the time yet. Because in that moment, Jesus had a lot left to do. Until his ministry began at the age of 30 to 33. But I want to share with you some of his first words. And words that many of you, I'm sure, know and have heard before. 
But Jesus shares in John 3, 16 to 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to say, look, this is what happened. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he paid for you. The cost of Christmas was the life of Jesus. And Jesus says, look, I didn't come here to condemn you. No, I came to save your soul. God paid for you before you were born. God said, yo, I'm going to pay for that, and it's not on credit. It's on Christ. Because Jesus came in, and he lived a life, and he modeled what it looks like to love people well. He modeled what it looked like to reach out to the least of these. And he said, look, I came here for you, for all of you, for the salvation of everyone. And this Christmas carol that starts with this baby in a manger is just the beginning of the story. And as Jesus grows and lives out this life and says, look, I am coming for the least of these. He's saying, look, there is no debt that you have in the name of Christ because I have canceled it. Through his blood, you are set free. So although we celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, the full Christmas carol culminates in the death of Jesus. It culminates when he goes to the cross to die for you and to die for me. It culminates when he gives his life for us, but that on the third day after his burial, there is a resurrection. And through that resurrection, we have the hope in Jesus. Through that resurrection, we have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. Through that resurrection, we are made whole and complete with our Father in heaven. There is a price. There was a cost of Christmas, and Jesus paid it. And because of that, salvation is available for us all. Because God did not come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And it is an invitation for us all. Now, as we started with one prophecy from Isaiah, I want to end with another. In Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 5, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. A prophecy 700 years in the making that comes to fruition through the life of Jesus. He looked at each and every one of us and said, I have counted up the cost and you are worth it. I have counted up the cost and whatever mistakes that you have made, whatever transgressions you have had, I have paid for it. Your credit is clear. God's word says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It is an invitation that you just have to respond to. It is him saying, if you believe in who I am and what I have done, that I have died for you and rose again, you believe that salvation is yours. It's responding to an invitation. It's reflecting on the cost of Christmas and then praising God because he's given us the free gift of our salvation. So every service we have, we give people an opportunity to respond to that invitation. That is why we do what we do. 
If you want to know a little bit about soul revival, we want people to know how much Jesus loves them. We want them to know that no matter what they've been through, whatever mistakes you've made, whatever dark season you're in right now, that God is with you and that he's for you and that he won't leave you. And we always want to give people an opportunity to make the greatest decision you could ever make, to step into a relationship with the risen king, to say yes to the salvation of your souls. So I want to ask if everyone wouldn't mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes. And I'm going to count to three in a moment. And when I hit three, and if that's you in this space, I would ask, would you just shoot your hand in the air saying, yes, I'd love a relationship with Jesus. One, you need to know that Jesus came and died for you. Two, that the cost that he paid was well worth it in his eyes for you. And three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand in the air today? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. God, I thank you for every hand raised. I thank you for this moment where not only you entered in to history over 2,000 years ago, but you entered into their lives right now. God, I pray that you would make it clear as we follow you. And although there might be a cost associated with it, you paid the bigger cost. We thank you that you see our sin as far as the east is from the west, that you have forgiven it all. God, help us turn away from the things that are keeping us from you and turn towards you and following you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we all celebrate everyone who made that decision today? Now, some of our team members are going to be coming forward right now and passing out some uh, candles, battery-operated. Because we love to close out our Christmas Eve service singing some carols and celebrating who God is. And there's nothing like a little candlelit moment. But as they're passing them out, I just want to share with anyone, if you made that decision to follow Jesus today, we want to come alongside you in it. There's a connect card you would have received on your way in or on your way out, you can grab another one. But there's a box that you can check off that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. We would love to not only be able to celebrate that moment with you, but also to be able to bless you with a free Bible. And if you're a guest with us today, we'd love for you to take that same connect card and bring it out to our lobby. Drop it off at our welcome table. And we got a free gift for you. Guess how much it costs you? Nothing. That's what free means, right? I don't know, I just wanted to reemphasize it because I like free stuff. And we just want to say thank you for coming, be able to celebrate that moment with you. And also, you might have seen some of our team members, I think, Chrissy got one of these shirts on up here today that says spreading joy to the world. But uh, we've got some extra ones and we're going to be selling them for $30. Now, anybody who purchases one of these shirts, maybe you haven't finished your Christmas shopping. You just want to get a little something for somebody or maybe it's a little something extra. All proceeds go back into our We Love Our City Fund. 
So if anybody wanted to grab one of them, you can go out and meet our team in the lobby afterwards, but then um, all of those funds will go directly into We Love Our City to help put on the events like we had a few weeks back with our Christmas events here and being able to welcome in our community. As I look around, it's, it's beautiful to see all these lights lit up. Makes me think of that night as Jesus was born and these shepherds were greeted. And here's this angel that comes and this choir of angels and the light that must have been there. This seems like a great reflection of that. And we'd love to invite you to stand and join us right now. Because as we close out singing some of these carols, reflect on the cost of Christmas. Reflect on all the things that Jesus has done. Not only that he came into the world as we celebrate it here on Christmas, but the life that he lived and the sacrifice he made. And I want to take a moment to pray over this moment as we enter into a time of worship. God, I thank you. I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. And as we sing out the praise of your name. Help us embrace these moments. Help us follow you with everything that we've got as we praise you for the gift you've given. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.